Well, man, what a wonderful worship service. How many appreciated that? If you did, give the Lord a hand clap. Would you do it? Praise God. Good morning. Good to have you in the house, and it's really good to welcome Adam and Carrie back from their victory vacation. Amen. Good to have them home. They got, they got in last night, what, about 1.30 or something like that in the, uh, in the morning. And uh, so here they are this morning, bright and early. We thought give them a day off till he gets in the pulpit again next Sunday morning. Amen. While we miss them, man, wasn't it amazing how well Bryn and Drew and Jordan did ministering the Word of God? It was just really, really something. It really filled in admirably. Amen. So just this morning, before we get into our message and continue on with our series on ghost stories, uh, I wanted to receive God's tithe from his people because that is such an important part of our, uh, of our worship to the Lord. It's an indispensable part of worship. I was reading a scripture uh, this last week out of Psalms chapter 96, and there in verse number 8, the Bible says, Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts, worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Now, I want you just really to uh, maybe for, take a moment to focus on that because I think it's uh, such a critical thing uh, to look at. I, I know what happens, uh, what can happen to a lot of us. We have that, uh, the ability now to give so uh, easily, securely uh, uh, on Online, You know, you can scan the code that's behind us, and you can uh, give online different ways. There's no question. But look what this says. It says, give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. And I'm afraid that if we're not careful, that we can just push a button to give without bringing our, our worship, our sacrifice, and our worship to the Lord. I know that all of my uh, adult life is a, as a Christian, that's what I would do. I would bring my tithe and offering check to the house of God to give it to the Lord, and it was an act of worship. And so we want to be careful that we don't get away just by pushing a button without making it a part of our worship. Because the Bible says it, it's so clear, bring your offering Come into his courts and worship the Lord in his holy splendor. Do you recognize how important your tithe is to the house of God? I mean, when you think about it, the Bible says that the tithes and offerings of his people are holy to God. And so it's a solemn act of worship to give to the Lord. Leviticus 27 says that all the tithe, it is holy to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And so why don't you take a moment right now, just in your giving, maybe you gave already, you know, before church uh, or maybe Friday night when you got paid or whenever you received your paycheck and you already gave and, and it's just, you just kind of did it because you do it. Take a moment and let's just honor the Lord as we worship him in our giving. Would you do that with me? Uh, let, let, let me just pray. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to give to you. Father, we refuse to let uh, uh, electronics and, and the like rob us of the understanding that we bring as a part of our worship your tithe to the house of God. And Lord, this morning I ask you to honor all those that open their hearts 
and their wallets to you to worship you in their giving and bless them back, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. I've, I'm really excited about ministering the word. I'm going to be in Acts chapter 9. If you care to follow along in your Bible, uh, I'm sure they'll have it for you on the overhead as well. But Acts chapter 9 is uh, um, a, a great ghost story. You know, today is Halloween. Hard to believe. Uh, my children, have, enjoy your... Enjoy your time. Last night, we had such a great time here at the house of God. There, all the kids were running around. The, the trunk or treat was going on. Trunks that were decorated. Really, really fun, exciting time. Everybody had, had a ball. But today is actually Halloween. And, and really, that's the backstory to why we are preaching a series that we've entitled Ghost Stories. I can promise you it's to play on words. We're not talking about ghosts and goblins and that sort of thing. That's not what we're doing at all. But we're ministering on the influence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of individuals. And so what we're talking about is the Holy Ghost. Somebody say Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is that one that uh, is so important to us. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is the one who teaches us all things, brings all things to our remembrance. He's the one that convicts us of our sin. He's the one that, that, that uh, is our peace and guides us through all of our lives, the, the precious Holy Spirit of God. And so the Holy Ghost, many times we not thinking about the third person of the Holy Spirit, but he's so important to the life of, of, of disciples that Jesus ministered to his followers. On the very day that he was talking to them about his imminent death and resurrection and and, and, and he, he began to address his disciples about uh, the, the impending crucifixion, and, and, and that brought fear to their hearts and, uh, and a recognition of what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? Who's going to be our leader? Who's, how, how's this all going to play out? And, 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 and Jesus spoke to them words of hope. John chapter 16 and verse number 6, he says, because I've told you about my death, and resurrection. It, it's filled you with sorrow and grief. Nevertheless, he says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. The Holy Ghost will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. What a profound statement. I don't know whether you've ever done any time just to meditate or think about what Jesus was speaking to his disciples, but what he was telling them is that now there would be a promise that the Holy Ghost was going to come to them, amen, that they were going to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. And if you carry that all the way down, what he's talking about is each one of us are going to be able to experience our own personal ghost story, amen. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, Peter says, Repent, every one of you, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift. And how many of you know it is indeed a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we all are get to experience our own personal ghost 
story. In Acts chapter one, Jesus said it. He says, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. In John chapter 14, Jesus is teaching and he said, after uh, 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 I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll lead in greater works because I go to the Father. And so you begin to recognize the value, the importance, the essence, the, the, the importance of us having an own, our own ghost story. You realize that everyone who has ever received Christ has a ghost story. What's interesting is that not any two of them are the same. As a matter of fact, because the Holy Ghost is a personal God, he makes sure that every one of our stories are not identical. He deals with us individually. He deals with us particularly he is very careful that he speaks to each one of us the way that he speaks to us. And so far, we, we, we realize that, that uh, we have heard ghost stories from the pulpit of what the Holy Spirit did in the lives of individuals. And today, I want to look at the ghost story of what we know, who we know as the great Apostle Paul. But before being known as Paul, he went by his uh, Jewish, uh, uh, or rather his uh, Hebrew name, which is Saul. And when we read about this story, it is so important that we understand the, the backstory to it, which is that this man, Saul, who was a tremendous follower of the Jewish religion, who f made sure that he kept every part of the law that he could possibly keep, very dedicated to God, but he found himself completely out of bounds. He had got completely deceived to the point that he was going about trying to kill Christians and imprison them. And so I want to read this story. It's a rather lengthy story, but I'd, even if you're familiar, I'd like you to put your ears to listen and follow along in the word as I read. Acts chapter 9, and the Bible says, Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest. And he asked letters of him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly, and that's a word that I have underlined in my Bible, suddenly, a light shone round him from heaven. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And so Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. And Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he didn't see anyone. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, 
Ananias, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a, na a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I, I've heard about this man from so many, how much harm he's done to your name, to your saints rather, in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all of us who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he arose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples of Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. And then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not the one who destroyed the, those who called on the, his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is indeed the Christ. Talk about a ghost story. I mean, when you read that story and you spend a little time thinking about it, you begin to realize that it's really kind of amazing that the Holy Ghost and what he can do to a lost soul. And while every person is different, there all of these in these ghost stories that we all have, they all have certain similar elements. Maybe you can identify those elements this morning of your ghost story as we compare it to that of the Apostle Paul. First element that I would look at today, see if you can grab it, is that the Holy Ghost is always looking for a good candidate. And when I say a good candidate, I'm not talking about somebody who has it all together. I'm talking about a lost soul, amen. Because when we think about Saul, this is a man who was definitely misguided. He was a religious zealot, no question. He read the Bible, there's no question about that. He tried to apply it to his life, but he was totally missing the whole point of the word of God. He had been deceived by the culture that he was a part of. He was a, a Pharisee. He was hanging around all the Pharisees that, that would study the law, come to the same conclusion, and end up getting so out of uh, balance that he's saying what we need to do is kill Christians. 
Let's just eliminate them from the earth. And if we can't kill them, we'll throw them into prison. That'll take care of that. And so what happens was a little bit of deception. The culture talking about the, the negativity of Jesus Christ, pretty soon uh, it began to overtake him until somehow in his religious mind, it was okay to kill people and imprison breaking up families. I want you to think about that as it relates to your ghost story because isn't that what happened in all of our lives? I mean, maybe not to that degree because it is obviously not going to be the same, but culture has a way of deceiving us until we're way off course. I mean, we get together with the guys, we're gonna watch a game and break open a, a, a bud and, and we're gonna have a cold beer with the, the brothers and that's fine, you know, but then another one comes and then another one and then you go down a couple of years and you find out the people you're hanging around, that's all they're doing uh, is drinking and their lives are falling apart. So it doesn't matter whether it's alcohol or drugs, it could be gambling and we see that happening more and more. Start a little bit and pretty soon uh, it begins to uh, take over. It could be flirting it seems harmless, but pretty soon a family uh, is destroyed and broken up over it. But what's uh, interesting to know that no matter how far each one of us got off course, there was a Holy Ghost, uh, a God who loved us. Uh, even in our life of sin and disobedience, he was coming after us. And that's exactly what happened to Saul and made it a great, great ghost story. One might think that God wanted nothing to do with a murderer. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost specializes in seeking those that, that are lost so that he can save them. In Luke 19 and 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. And so we know that the Holy Ghost only says and does what he hears the Father say, what he hears the Son say. And so we know that the Holy Ghost is actively looking for good candidates today. Those that are so deceived, so out of order in their lives, looking for a way to show him this amazing grace. Amen. I mean, Paul writes about this same story later in his life in 1 Timothy chapter 1 when he said, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his own people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Uh, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that can only come from Christ Jesus. Amen. Oh my, he just marvels and thinks what God has done in my life. I was lost, but now God found me. Amen. Certainly, well, that way for my ghost story. And I think back on my life, and I realized that I was raised in a family that was uh, pretty righteous. I mean, we did not lie. We did not cheat. We did not steal. We were held to a high moral uh, 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 approach to life by my father and my mother. We did uh, try to do things that, that were right in life. There's no question but uh, then I went off to college. And how many of you know college has a way of getting people sidetracked? Because all of a sudden you start hanging around with people as I did and, and pretty soon there's a little marijuana that's uh, 
cool to be around and you're hanging around people that are doing things that maybe they should not ought to be doing and without even realizing it, my life was getting way off base. All of a sudden now I'm in business and lying is just a part of what I do, it's just who I am. Uh, my language was vile and speaking out uh, words that I should never have been speaking. Though I was raised with good morals, no cussing, uh, no drinking and lying, I found myself completely out of control and a good candidate for a ghost story. Amen. The second element that I see is that the Holy Ghost gives a dramatic intervention in order to reveal the need for Jesus. So here we see a story of Saul and he's on his way to Damascus and he has been given letters to empower him to uh, imprison and take the lives of people that call upon Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that as he's on his way with this threatening and this anger in, this, in his heart, that Bible says that suddenly a light began to blind him. He became destabilized. He fell to the ground. And a voice began to speak to him, and it said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, that's a dramatic intervention. And Saul's amazed that he's going from, you know, who is this? What, 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 what's going on here? But what was happening was the light of God was shedding, was illuminating the sin that was in his life and showing him he was on the wrong track with his life. The Bible says in John 16 and 8 that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. And he says the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And so here is Saul, he refuses to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, even though uh, that the signs and wonders that he was provided with. But this is what the Holy Ghost does. Uh, he intervenes uh, in order for people to experience uh, Jesus, to understand uh, that there's one uh, that loves him. Like the song goes, I once was blind, uh, but now I see. God opened his eyes uh, and led him to an encounter with Jesus the Christ because he is the only way that you'll ever get to the Father. In John chapter 3, in verse number 3, the Bible says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He went on in that passage of Scripture to say, that who's born of flesh, we all were, our flesh, but those who are born of the Spirit, well, then there's a new life that begins in them. And the Bible says you cannot see like the wind is blowing. You cannot see the wind, but you certainly can see the result of what happens when that wind begins to blow. And so that reveal in Paul, Saul at that time, that his need for a relationship with Christ. Now that all of a sudden we realize that the believing that God's talking about in the Greek means something more than just mental assent. I mean, I was raised to going to church every Sunday morning. And as I went to the church, I would listen to what was being said by Sunday school teachers and the like. And yes, I guess I believed it in one sense, uh, 
in that that's what I knew uh, that I was supposed to be as a Christian. But the Bible's not talking about believing by natural understanding. It's talking about relying on, trusting in, and clinging to Jesus Christ for your salvation and for everything that would transpire in your life. That's my ghost story. Because all of a sudden in my life, the Holy Ghost found a good candidate, Carl Friedrich, thank God for it. And when he found me, uh, he exposed uh, by a, a vision that I saw, a light that began to shine upon the sin inside uh, of my heart. Uh, and it, he began to interrupt my carefully crafted world, the businesses that I wanted uh, to, 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 to continue in, all that I had planned for my life. Uh, and like many of you this morning, uh, I was trying to manage the affairs of my life. I thought I was on the right path, but thank God, for that interruption in my life when I saw I was a sinner in need of Jesus Christ. That was over 40 years ago, 40 decades, and it still influences my life today. What? Did you say 40 decades? <laughs> I'm starting to feel younger already. <laughs> Amen. There's a third. There's a third uh, a part of a ghost story that, that's central to all of us, and that is that that the Holy Ghost then introduces us to a new and a godly culture. He's thinking interesting that in this story that Saul was blinded, he was disoriented, he was confused, and the first person that came to see him was a man who was a disciple of the Lord, a follower of Jesus Christ. His name was Ananias, and he's one that Paul was coming to imprison. He's one that he was coming after, and although Ananias hears from God that he's to go and lay hands on Saul, he was skeptical, but he goes and he greets Saul as a believer. In verse 17 of the story, it says, so Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you in the road has sent me uh, so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the very first sermons that I ever preached was out of that scripture, the thought of Brother Saul. I mean, here comes Ananias, and he recognizes I'm walking into danger. I'm walking into a room with a man whose intention of coming here was to imprison or take my life. And yet Ananias speaks to him and speaks to him as a fellow believer, a one who would be accepted into the culture. He says, Brother Saul. In the original language, what that means is either a family member or one that, that believes the same thing. And so it's interesting that immediately as that brother, he lays hands on him and acknowledges him, that he receives his sight. 
And there's something that happens when we begin to hang around other believers that enhances our vision. Can I hear you say amen to that? And so here is Saul who had hung around a, a culture that was destructive, that had, was deceptive, but immediately uh, God leads him to a place where he has a brand new culture. This is so critical for us as believers. We have to understand that when we come out of one culture, we have a need to go into another. Paul writes about his experience and he says in the first uh, book, uh, uh, chapter of Colossians, for he has received us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And we understand something, uh, that this is why we preach so hard uh, using that, 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 that phrase, together, together. Because when we get saved, we've got to come out of a culture that led us and deceived us and into a culture where we gather together with one heart and one mind and one accord. And like Saul's experience, it wasn't perfect. The disciples there, as you read through it, there was issues and problems, but, but it was so necessary. I, I, I know that was a part of my ghost story because when I received Christ, it was such a dramatic intervention in my life. I'd seen a vision. All I could think about, all I could talk about in myself was Jesus and what he'd done for my life. And I... I remember I did not know anybody that had experienced anything like me. I didn't know anybody that even talked about Jesus. I went to church on Sundays, but nobody talked about Jesus there. There was no communication, no fellowship that, 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 was, that was about that. And I remember one day driving to church and I was feeling weak, like, like I need something. I need to talk to somebody that understands me and what's happened in my life. And just before I went into the office, I put my head on the steering wheel and I prayed and I said, Lord, you got to help me. You got to send somebody that has experienced you that could talk to me and let me know I'm not crazy, but, but, but you're real. And that very morning, God sent a man to me and that man talked to me and listened to me and invited me to church. And I want to tell you something. Those words were such music to my ear. When I walked into a church where people were all talking about Jesus, where people were all excited about Jesus, where people began to worship by throwing their hands up in the air and honoring the Lord with everything that was in them. Because when we come from a culture of deception, we've got to get set free and we've got to involve ourselves with others that would show us the way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18 says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. You are important in God's plan, folks. There's a fourth element to a ghost, every ghost story, and that is that our ghost story must be told. We just can't keep it to ourselves. There is something so exhilarating about a first love encounter. I want to tell you something. I love new converts. Don't you? I mean, they just stir you up, amen, because there's something fresh in their soul. And all of a sudden, they're 
life. They were a good candidate, and, and there was an intervention in their life. They saw Jesus and the need uh, to have their sins forgiven. They come into a new culture, and they're just a breath of fresh air because the freshness of their story is too good to keep silent about. They've got to tell others. Uh, after we've been uh, introduced to Jesus, we just got to say it. Amen. It's just like those that gave their hearts to Jesus last week. I was sitting in my chair there, Bonnie and I, and, and Jordan gave the altar call, and people began to come to the altar and repent of their sins, and there were tears in their eyes, and I was talking to them after service. I know one thing. They've told people this week about what happened in their life because we see it here in Saul's ghost story. In verse 20, he says, immediately he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. You've got to remember that this same man, Saul, was hell-bent on destroying those that called upon the name of Jesus. But here now, after his encounter, he had to get out and tell people, my life is not the same. I've been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and that God would do the same thing for him, them. In Acts chapter 9, verse 21, it says, Then all who heard Saul were amazed and said, Is this not the one who destroyed those who called on the name in Jerusalem? And he's come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. And that is exactly what my ghost story was about. I'd been radically changed and I... I wanted everybody to know it. I, I wanted them to experience what had happened to me. I could hardly wait to get together after I'd received Christ, come home from work and sit down with my wife and begin to tell her what had happened, that I had been introduced to Jesus and my life would never be the same. I remember calling my folks on the phone and writing them a letter explaining to them what had happened in my life, that I was not the same son that they had before. I, I went into my place of business and, and my employees began to notice that I'm talking to them about Jesus and, and what he had done in my life. It's amazing what happens when the, God changes us and we've just got to begin to tell others. In Romans chapter one and verse number 16, the Bible says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The fifth element, the last element I want to talk to you about this morning is that a true ghost story never gets old. It grows in importance through the years. As I think back through this story, we see that Saul in chapter nine has this encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. And his initial exuberance for the things of God never dissipated, regardless of what he went through. And I'm here to tell you, he went through a lot in his life because Paul's life was not an easy one. Maybe you remember that Ananias was told by God, go lay hands on him. And when you lay hands on him, tell him this. And so Ananias said, the Lord said to you, you're a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. And I will show you 
how many things you'll suffer for my name's sake. Indeed, Paul experienced this as he stood up for the story that was his. And he began to share it with others that there were many that did not want him to do so. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he writes of his life, we are pressed, hard pressed on every side by troubles. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus must be also be reflected in our bodies. And so regardless of what happened to Paul, whatever persecution came against him, whether it was a good thing that happened or a bad thing, he held on to his Holy Ghost encounter, and that's the way it has to be for us. Our Holy Ghost story can never be changed. It is the most important thing you have. It's called your testimony. And your testimony is powerful. It's powerful in your life, but it's also powerful in the lives of your friends and your family and those that you're around. It never gets old. At the end of Paul's life, that ghost story was still fresh in his mind. We read through the book of Acts. We can read it in a very short period of time. I recognize that. We've read Acts chapter 9 this morning. But as you get through to the 26th chapter, so much has happened. So many years have gone by. But here in this 26th chapter, Paul saw, or Paul finds himself in front of a king. The king who holds the power to throw him in prison, to take his life, or to set him free. And, and Saul is brought before Agrippa, <clears throat> And as he's brought before Agrippa, he begins to recount his ghost story, what happened to him in the ninth chapter. And he says, oh, one day, I was on a mission to Damascus, armed with authority and commission of the leading priests. At about noon, your majesty, I was on the road, and a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions and we all fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in the Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's useless for you to fight against my will. And I responded, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, well, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get to your feet for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and a witness to tell people that you have seen me and to tell them what I will show you in the future and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness of their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven and I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, then throughout all Judea and also to the Gentiles that they had to repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they've changed by the good things they do. 
And it's amazing to me that all those years, all that heartache, all of that persecution that had come from his story remained exactly the same. So fresh in his mind that he could stand up and say, oh king, I could not be disobedient because if you experienced what I experienced, if you'd had the ghost experience that I had when I was knocked to the ground, blinded in my eyes by a light that shined from heaven, exposing my every sin, the fact that I was off course, I'm here to tell you, King Agrippa, that I had to obey that vision and tell the world what had happened to me. And I think back on my ghost story over 40 years ago. I was a perfect candidate, lost, deceived. And I thank God that the Holy Ghost intervened in my life. I thank God that he introduced me to Jesus. And I thank God that he brought me into a fellowship of other believers, introducing me to a new culture. And I'm thankful that as excited as I was about my ghost story that I began to share it with other people. And for 40 years, that's what I've done. It's my testimony. It's my ghost story. And you know what I desire for you this morning, what our church desires for you this morning, is that every one of us would experience a ghost story. Many of you have powerful ghost stories, testimonies of how God's in, in transformed you. And I want to, in part, challenge you to not keep it to yourself. That ghost story is so amazing that the God of heaven would consider you in your sin, in your deception, and that he would interrupt your life and introduce you to the one that would make a way for you to spend an eternity with him. It's so unbelievable that it just has to be shared with others. And others of you have begun to emerge into a new culture. You've just begun to enter into what we call the church. And I want to tell you something this morning. Go all in. Don't just hang back. Don't just think you're an afterthought. But recognize that the God who saw you as a good candidate, loved you enough to draw you into the house of God. Involve yourself. Maybe there's others yet that do not have a ghost story to tell. Maybe you're here and you've never had an experience where not just hearing about the gospel message, but experiencing the good news that Jesus loves you. And all of that can change today. Because a good, good ghost story for many people happens, right? Right in the house of God, where, where God begins to, by the Holy Spirit, open your eyes to your deception and your need for a brand new life. And if that's you here this morning, 
I want to tell you that you can take that and respond to that ghost story just like Saul did on the road to Damascus. And it'll change your life. Just like I surrendered my life. You can surrender your life to Christ and I can tell you something, you will never, ever be the same. It will transform your relationship with your family, on your work and your employment, your financial affairs, every part and partial of your life will be affected by Jesus. You will begin to rely, trust, and cling to Christ in every situation of your life. And if that's you this morning, we're gonna to stand to our feet all over this auditorium. And as we do, we're gonna worship the Lord and sing a song of worship to him this morning. But I wonder if you've never ever experienced that personal ghost story. And this morning, God is challenging your heart to confess your sin to get right with God. I want you to do something as we sing. I want you to find your way out of your chair and come to the front. Allow me to pray, the privilege of praying with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're one of those that have received the ghost story, but you've had trouble sharing it with others, you've, you've kind of held it to yourself, but this morning as you hear what a ghost story is, a testimony that must be shared. If that's you and you've had trouble, I want you to come out of your chairs while we're singing and find a place at our altar this morning and talk to God. Tell him I'll not keep it to myself. I once was blind, now I see. I gotta tell somebody about what God has done for me. And if you're one that's just changing cultures, struggling with leaving behind those that have led you into deception, and God's bringing you into a new church and you want to go all into that, I want you to find your way as well down to the altar of our church this morning that as we worship the Lord, you can speak to Him. Brent, would you lead us in a song of worship this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, sing this out.